Lexi, I leave you breathless. Just bought another Lexus. I don't be stressed. They try to play me like I'm feckless. I play the setless. No diamond necklace on my chest. Not on my checklist. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, gender fluid folks, and NBs. Welcome to Working Class Advocates. I'm your host, Jesse Austin. We are an independent socialist news media and mutual aid worker cooperative advocating for oppressed and working class people all over the globe. Please like, subscribe, and share this video if you enjoy learning here with us. The workplace is very often a hostile place by design, especially to neurodivergent people. Even holistic folks typically wouldn't describe the pressure to compete for jobs, promotions, and raises as pleasant, but that pressure can be particularly overwhelming for autistic people. This on its own would already be a bad enough problem, but the fact that so many employers compound it with a phony facade of caring about their employees to hide their truly abusive policies makes everything so much worse. Institutions and our system as a whole love to claim innocence and say there are proper channels you can go through to get justice here, but it is starting to become well known that autistic people are frequently brushed off by coworkers, bosses, and human resource departments alike due to ableism. There are of course laws in most countries that are supposed to protect disabled people from discrimination in the workplace, but these laws are virtually not enforced at all. For example, in the UK, there's a law called the Equality Act that is supposed to guarantee disabled people reasonable accommodations or adaptations to accommodate their condition. The equivalent law in the U.S. is called the Americans with Disabilities Act. This is from the BBC, quote, The union said it was dealing with cases where staff were not getting reasonable adaptations in the workplace, required under the Equality Act. People who contacted BBC Wales spoke of feeling overwhelmed and said there was a lack of understanding from bosses and co-workers and an unwillingness to make adaptations. Others said they dealt with stereotyping while others had never worked at all due to issues with interview processes. And then there are other laws and loopholes that terrify autistic people into never explicitly telling their employers upon applying that they're autistic out of fear of getting paid a dollar an hour due to their admitting their condition. From Vox, it's an exemption to the Fair Labor Standards Act that has been in place for 80 years. I've actually experienced this firsthand, not getting paid a dollar an hour, but being so afraid of it that I didn't tell my employer I had autism on paper, only informally face to face, pretty immediately after I got hired too. These pressures are more overwhelming considering even ordinary workplace pressures without the looming threat of being paid below minimum wage are enough to stress autistic individuals. It's no wonder that 85% of autistic college graduates are unemployed. When interviewed by BBC, Charlotte Davies said, Being my own boss is the only way I feel I could survive in the working world. I don't believe employers would have the patience or the understanding to deal with someone like me. And I don't blame her. In fact, that fully resonates with me after my experiences in the workplace. I worked in a burger bar when this establishment was first opening during the pandemic, which was supposed to be a soft opening, but ended up being a pretty grand opening, with lots of people crowding up the place. They had grocery carts that were nowhere near six feet long, and their policy was at least a cart apart. So I was already pretty frustrated and uncomfortable with this place. Nevertheless, I bent over backwards as a worker, thinking that maybe doing so would afford me my one measly accommodation. 
I volunteered to always be the one to take down the heavy hood range filters in the kitchen, and I was happy to clean both griddles, but they made me clean them as soon as they were shut off, or sometimes before they were shut off, whereas we were supposed to wait 10 to 15 minutes, so I would often burn myself cleaning those griddles, and the heat-resistant gloves just barely protected my hands on a good day. I was sadly willing to put up with all of this, the one thing I asked from this employer was a single accommodation to not be expected to both grill burgers and assemble them by myself. I made it clear that I'm not the best multitasker, and I like to focus on doing a single task well, double-checking my work as I go along, instead of trying to multitask and making mistakes that I or other people have to then go back and fix. Every time I presented this to them as the one accommodation I needed after complying with so much there that was simply not right, it was brushed off with a, well, well, why don't you just try it without your accommodation? We believe in you, and a big smile. This happens to autistic people in workplaces all across the globe. It happens to average workers as well, and it is unacceptable. Providing accommodations to us is not going to make the sky fall down. These bosses, HR departments, and corporations are selfish and abusive, and in many cases, they're actually breaking the law, full stop. If you are autistic, you are caught between worrying about your employer trying to pay you a dollar an hour with a straight face, just like they deny us our accommodations with a straight face, and worrying, well, if I don't officially tell my employer, then how do they know my condition is legit and I'm not just being lazy? But that accusation ultimately doesn't hold water anyway because it's also well known by now that the official diagnoses that employers tend to demand from autistic people are rarely given to people on the spectrum that need them most in the first place. Or worse, their autism is diagnosed and then instead of providing the autistic person resources to assist them, our system pushes them through abusive ABA therapies. There's a great article by Jules Edwards on Indian Country Today that covers virtually all of the problems of ABA therapy quite succinctly, so I'm going to read this with y'all now. I read a little bit of it before the filming of this episode, but I didn't read the whole thing, so you're in for some authentic reactions here, so stick around. I'm going to go grab a cream soda. Here we are, we're back, got the cream soda. All right, rock and roll. All right, this is gonna be source number five in the description below. It was published just over two months ago and boy is it an excellent read, so let's get down to it. The title is Applied Behavioral Analysis is Abusive to Native Children by Jules Edwards. I am an Ojibwe autistic parent of autistic children and a disability advocate. My children and I are statistically insignificant and we routinely endure systemic erasure. Most native autistic people do not get an accurate diagnosis or the support they need at any age. Native communities desperately need access to accurate information about autism and culturally responsive care. April is Autism Acceptance Month. This month, Please take some time to learn about autism from autistic people, just as services for indigenous people should be informed by indigenous values and perspectives, we must recognize that autistic perspectives are also invaluable. Autism doesn't end at 18, and many autistic adults are parents of autistic children, providing the opportunity for helpful insight to improve the quality of life for autistic children and their families.
The Cornhusk doll story teaches us that we are all equal in the eyes of the Creator. There is no word for disability in Ojibwe, and I personally tend not to use it. I tend to use the word condition, just as a quick aside. Traditionally, we revere our elders, and our communities were designed to ensure that everyone's needs are met, no matter their abilities or disabilities. We understood that successful communities are interdependent and everyone needs help sometimes. Colonization disrupted our way of life. Colonial perspectives differ in that disability is stigmatized and disabled people are undervalued. Value is determined by independence and how much a person contributes to capitalistic systems. And on that note, I'm going to interrupt our reading real quick here to evaluate a popular social media post in this context. I'll pull it up real quick here. So I found this meme on Facebook one day that says, what would happen if you employed someone with Asperger's syndrome? This would happen. Things would get done. Be organized. Be perfected. On time and completely on schedule. This is redundant, you know, on time, on schedule, same thing. But anyway, share to raise awareness of the positive traits of Asperger's. Brian, smiley face, heart. First of all, Asperger's syndrome is a functioning label associated with the Nazi who coined the term, so we advise against using that term on working class advocates and urge people to just say autism. Secondly, and most importantly, this is a picture-perfect example of how our value as autistic people is often determined by how much we are able to contribute to capitalistic systems, as Jules Edwards says here. Alright, back to the article. Children are trained to comply and produce, and any deviation from expected measures is a deficiency that needs to be corrected. Applied Behavioral Analysis Native children deserve better than the abusive practices of Applied Behavioral Analysis, or ABA. Recently, it was determined that IHS will fund ABA, which will hurt Native children and waste IHS dollars that could be used to provide culturally responsive care. The IHS should not fund Applied Behavioral Analysis. Applied Behavioral Analysis was created by Ivar Lovas, and I don't really care if I'm butchering his name because his research also laid the groundwork for gay conversion therapy, which is now illegal in many jurisdictions because of the harm it does. Applied Behavioral Analysis is conversion therapy for autism, based on the idea that autism is bad and autistic people need to be fixed. In 1974, Lovas stated in an interview for Psychology Today, you see... You start pretty much from scratch when you work with an autistic child. You have a person in the physical sense. They have hair, a nose, and a mouth. But they are not people in the psychological sense. One way to look at the job of helping autistic kids is to see it as a matter of constructing a person. You have the raw materials, but you have to build the person. This is a really creepy quote from Ivar Lovas and... Uh, yeah, the reason I was able to do that all in one take is because most autistic people have heard this quote many times, unfortunately. Uh, it's kind of drilled into our brains at this point. In 1879, an army officer named Richard H. Pratt opened a boarding school for Indian youth in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which became the model for other boarding schools. Gross. His motto was, kill the Indian, save the man. Double gross. These horrifying quotes reveal a similar intent. Both are dehumanizing, relegating indigenous and autistic people as other subhumans who need to be trained to be real humans. 
B.F. Skinner, another person responsible for ABA, was a proponent of operand conditioning on a broad scale, without regard for wellness of individuals or culture, in alignment with cultural assimilation. Managing the behaviors of an entire populace could be accomplished by reinforcement on a cultural level, just like changing individual behaviors on a personal level. I suppose that's a B.F. Skinner quote. ABA is forced assimilation, reminiscent of the boarding school era, when our children were stolen from our families and required by law to attend schools where we were beaten and worse for speaking our own native languages. Parents of autistic children are frightened into sending their children to 40 hours a week of ABA therapy based on fear tactics that their child has a short period of time in which they can be saved from their autistic neurology. The love that parents have for their children is exploited with fear-mongering strategies and manipulation. ABA practitioners often use ABA tactics on parents without the parents' consent. If applied behavioral analysis is a therapy, it requires informed consent. Children in ABA frequently experience language deprivation. Rather than being supported with access to augmentative and alternative communication, or AAC, picture boards, sign language, or a myriad of other communication options, children may be forced to use oral language which is a big problem because a lot of autistic people are nonverbal, even if their body does not have the physiological ability to speak. Accessible communication is a human right. That's right. Native autistic children are more likely to be removed from their homes and put into foster care than gain access to augmentative and alternative communication devices. About 40% of all children in foster care have a disability. Parents are often blamed for their child's disability, rather than receiving support to live a good life. Here in Minnesota, we have one of the worst rates of out-of-home placement of Native children in the country. Historically, Native children in residential boarding schools were the first subjects of experimental treatments, including electric shocks. This century, it is almost exclusively Black and Indigenous children with developmental disabilities who experience electric shocks during the course of behavioral interventions like applied behavioral analysis. In applied behavioral analysis, relationships are exploited and weaponized. Early on, children are paired with practitioners. During the pairing process, children are trained to associate their practitioner with all of their favorite things. Then the child's favorite things are withheld from them by the practitioner, and they can only have access to their favorite things if they perform the tasks that the practitioner demands. Sometimes, the time with the practitioner becomes the reward, and then the practitioner is withheld from the child. In every other context, this is called grooming. In the context of ABA therapy, it is still grooming. Children in applied behavioral analysis are often subject to coercive hand-over-hand -hand physical redirection, planned ignoring, seclusion, and restraint. They may develop stress tremors, which is a kind way of saying that they are so deeply traumatized that they develop uncontrollable shaking. Children in ABA are denied bodily autonomy, which leaves them even more vulnerable to abuse than they would be without compliance training. 90% of girls with a developmental disability will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. 49% will be sexually assaulted more than 10 times. How do indigenous girls with developmental disabilities fare? There's no research, because we are statistically insignificant. Has anyone considered the impact of compliance training on vulnerable native girls? And how does MMIW fit in? 
As an indigenous autistic woman, does my safety matter? Do my daughters? Native children need to be taught about bodily autonomy, healthy boundaries, and how to protect themselves. Children in ABA are often trained like dogs, using food treats as reinforcers, which is especially harmful to Native people as we are at risk of obesity and two of our primary killers are heart disease and diabetes. Training children to comply with directives in exchange for treats is unhealthy and dangerous. In 2018, researchers learned that people who endured ABA are more likely to develop PTSD. What a shock. In 2019, the Department of Defense determined that applied behavioral analysis is ineffective. So it doesn't even work. Indian health services should not waste millions of dollars on treatment that harms disabled children. We need early intervention services that are culturally appropriate. Applied behavioral analysis is not and cannot be culturally appropriate for natives. Equity isn't equal access to colonial capitalist services. It is hurtful to see access to ABA promoted as equitable. Equity isn't about ensuring that Native people have access to the same services as white people, which were based on research of white boys with goals developed by white parents and white researchers and white practitioners based on white people's values, <coughs> Autism Speaks. Equity is designing and adapting services to meet our needs based on our values and ideals to help us achieve our goals. The Ojibwe people believe our children choose us as their parents. We are meant to become the parents they need us to be, and our role is to guide our children on their journey. Our children change us. We don't change our children. ABA is meant to deny the children's identity and change the child to meet the expectations of others. So what is the alternative to ABA? It's called culturally responsive care. There are many excellent options to support native autistic children that are compatible or can be adapted to be culturally responsive. When we think of the wellness of indigenous children, the relational worldview developed by the National Indian Child Welfare Association should be in the front of our minds. Summarized, the relational worldview explains what indigenous people have known since the beginning of time. As written by Terry Cross, MSW, ACSW, LCSW, it is a reflection of the native thought process and concept of balance as the basis for health, whether that is an individual, family, or organization. Some therapeutic approaches that are consistent with this philosophy include the social communication, emotional regulation, and transactional support, or SCERTS CERTS model, that was developed by an interdisciplinary team of occupational therapists, speech-language pathologists, psychologists, and educators, which is designed to prioritize a child's culture while providing developmental appropriate support. CERTS focuses on supporting a child's social communication, emotional regulation, and transactional support. It's a way to say that the relationships between the child, family, and professionals are paramount. Floor time is another option. Floor time is a relationship-based model designed to help children build skills, not to gain compliance. Unfortunately, sometimes practitioners try to combine floor time with applied behavioral analysis, and this should be avoided. So this is the first time I'm hearing of certs or floor time, so that's interesting that there are alternatives to ABA. The only one I've been familiar with so far is TEACH, which is supposed to be a dialectical therapy of some sort. So that's interesting. I'll let you guys know how that goes. Occupational therapy is a wonderful service which helps people with sensory and emotional regulation. 
When we think about cradle boards, part of the medicine of a cradle board includes that deep pressure that babies crave. That is a form of sensory regulation. Sensory gardens are incredible sensory and emotional regulation tools. Sensory gardens are also culturally responsive care, particularly when they are grown with principles from the honorable harvest. So I particularly love gardens. I'd love to have a sensory garden, like a greenhouse or something. That's awesome. By the way, on cradle boards, fun fact, Temple Grandin made her own cradle board in college for sensory regulation. So that's an interesting tidbit. Speech therapy is an essential support for non-speaking children, though we must be careful to ensure that speech therapy services are focused on accessible communication and skill building, not forced oral speech. Speech therapists can help children to learn to use the augmentative and alternative communication AAC devices and find other ways to support communication. Speaking ability can be fluid and access to AAC should be unrestricted. If a communication support helps a child, then that child should always have access to that support. So oral speech is not the only way to communicate and the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can help autistic children. Behavior is a form of communication too. We must also recognize that when a child needs behavioral support, there are many strength-based models that support children's needs, keeping the whole child safe and connected, including Dr. Ross Green's collaborative problem-solving model. Plan B helps us to effectively work with our children to solve problems, eliminating power struggles and mitigating explosive behavior, also known as meltdowns in autistic children. Dr. Mona Delahook wrote the book Beyond Behaviors to help adults understand the physiological aspect of behavior and how we can support children in the context of relational safety. Alfie Cohn has written several books about behavior and discipline that focus on education and discipline, which will help every parent and every educator to be more successful in helping children. Strength-based models that strengthen relationships are compatible with the relational worldview and native values. We can and should provide culturally responsive care for indigenous autistic children. You can learn more about my journey as a parent here. On April 22nd, that's eight days ago, I will be presenting at the Autism Society of Minnesota annual conference. Details here. All right, this essay does not reflect the view of Indian country today. Voices are, oh man, that's weak sauce. Well, it should, because this is an amazing essay. Bravo, Jules Edwards. I think this should reflect the view of Indian country today, if I had anything to say about it. So yeah, that's an amazing article. It really goes to show how intimately our struggles are intertwined and that we're all in this together. Matter of fact, I'm officially declaring an alliance between all oppressed and working peoples, as if that wasn't already a thing. We will remain sharp as an arrow, whether you're indigenous, gay, transgender, autistic, Palestinian, I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Here at Working Class Advocates, we encourage all of you to remain sharp and affirm that oppressive institutions can no longer convince us that we are sick for standing up for ourselves and each other. We are wide awake and we will shine our spotlight on everything that needs to go. Remember to check the description for this article and some of the other amazing sources I used for this segment. If you have any suggestions for the show, please leave them in the comments. Thanks again for joining us this evening on Working Class Advocates. Workers of the world unite. I love you all and have a good night. Of course their poor excuses fell apart upon first inspection. I'm saying those in power have delusions of grandeur. They are the problem, we're the solutions, we stand up.
and call them out because we're ruthless and we go hard. Don't got no games to play, so we protest and vote smart. Protest and vote smart. We call for revolution since day one, get it understood? And we won't stop until everywhere it's all good. And we won't stop until, until, until everywhere it's all good. Stop until, stop until, stop until everywhere it's all good.